0: Hello, I'm Alec and this is Scandal101. Happy Friday, or whatever day it is for you. I hope you are doing well, enjoying life, all of that good stuff. Um, For me, it's basically about the same. Super busy with law school, exciting things happening there, classes are interesting, so yeah, that's basically the update for me. Just, oh, other exciting thing. My boyfriend just ordered some fall coffee syrups like pumpkin caramel I think there's an apple something in there or other I think there's like eight or ten bottles so fall lattes at home are gonna be reality also happening today the day I'm recording September 8th the queen of England died she was 96 years old I was looking through an article and it had pictures of her with presidents, I think back to one or two before JFK. I don't remember what president, but I definitely remember there were a couple before JFK. So it's crazy that she was in power for that long. I think I saw she was there for like 70 years. So that's insane. But she died today. And then also Trisha Paytas had her baby. (laughs) So people are like, Trisha Paytas's baby is the queen reincarnated. And if you believe in that, then more power to you. Alrighty, that's enough chitter chatter for this episode. Let's just go ahead and dive right in. This episode topic I had never heard of, but I was talking to my friend Hannah and she was like, oh, like, what are you going to do for your next episode? And I was like, I don't know, I haven't really thought about it yet. And she was like, oh, you should look into this topic. And so I was like, cool. And I did. And it's terrible. So Let's talk about it. But before we get into that, the sources I use for this episode, I use an article from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, an article by Jonathan Katz from NBC News, an article by A. Monoly from Reuters.com, an article by R. Polardi from Britannica.com, an article by Ed Pilkington from The Guardian, and then a Wikipedia page, and lastly, one page from the World Health Organization. Those are the sources I used. Let's dive into this topic. This is the United Nations and Haiti's cholera outbreak. Before we dive into the actual scandal part, there is some important background information that we need to have. One of them is about what cholera is, and the other area of background is the Haiti earthquake. So first up, let's talk about cholera to start off with a quote, quote, Cholera is an acute diarrheal infection caused by ingestion of food or water contaminated by the bacterium Vibrio cholerae, end quote. More commonly, it's just known as cholera, and the symptoms of this can be pretty extreme. It can cause severe acute watery diarrhea. The symptoms can come on somewhat fast, as it can take as little as 12 hours for a person to start to show symptoms, Or it can take up to five days, so it's kind of a wide range of when symptoms will set in if you do get this. But lucky for people who get cholera, I guess, most people who get infected with cholera don't actually develop any symptoms. Obviously, it's nice if you don't have symptoms, but even if you don't have symptoms... The problem is that the bacteria is still in your body and it leaves in your poop for one to 10 days after infection and then of course, with it being in your poop, it could potentially impact other people if there was like a sewer break or if somehow your waste got into a water source. So even though most people don't have symptoms, it still spreads even if you don't have symptoms and It can spread pretty quickly because it can get in the waterways. For those who do develop symptoms, most people have mild symptoms, and the minority of those who get the extreme symptoms, those people get the acute watery diarrhea, and they also have severe dehydration. If this is left untreated, it can be deadly and can kill you. Looking historically, there have been a few pandemics with cholera. During the 1800s, cholera spread across the world from, quote, its original was a reservoir in the Ganges Delta in India, end quote. There were six pandemics after this original spread that killed millions of people across the world. Looking more modernly, per year there are an estimated 1.3 to 1.4 million people who get cholera, and between 21 and 143,000 people die from it each year. There is a vaccine for cholera, but generally it is only given to individuals who are going to travel to an area where there is a high risk of getting cholera instead of it being widely given out like the flu vaccine or the COVID vaccine. So don't worry if you haven't gotten the cholera vaccine because you're really only going to get it if you're going to travel somewhere where there's a high risk. That is a brief introduction to cholera, but it's definitely enough information for us to have the background to talk about this episode. Now the second part of background that we need is to understand the Haiti earthquake. You may remember hearing about this when it happened, I definitely do even though I was only like 11 or 12. But on January 12th, 2010, Haiti was hit with the largest earthquake they had seen in nearly a century. The earthquake mostly impacted Haiti, but it also impacted nearby Dominican Republic. At 4.53pm that day, January 12th, around 15 miles southwest of Port-au-Prince, the capital of Haiti, a 7.0 magnitude earthquake hit. This initial shock was quickly followed by two aftershocks, one being a 5.9 magnitude and the other one being a 5.5 magnitude. There would be aftershocks that would continue to hit over the following days, including one on January 20th, eight days after the initial earthquake, and the one that happened eight days after registered at a 5.9. It was felt very widely, like I said, in Haiti, the Dominican Republic, but as far as Cuba, Jamaica, and Puerto Rico. So this earthquake was powerful, and even though it was felt in a lot of places, the most heavily impacted area was Haiti, more specifically the capital, which is a densely populated area. An exact death count was difficult to come up with after this earthquake because of all the chaos and just madness that it followed but the estimated death toll from this earthquake was 220,000 people. On top of all of this, hundreds of thousands of more people were displaced due to their homes being completely destroyed. The mass destruction of buildings from this earthquake partially came because of just how strong the earthquake was, but another part of it was due to Haiti lacking building codes. Because of this lack of building codes, a lot of the buildings and housings weren't adequately prepared for this kind of uh, just like earthquake and shaking. so they collapsed easier than perhaps buildings up to a certain code would have been, and then on top of it, just to pile things on, the capital city was still recovering from two tropical storms and two hurricanes that happened in August and September of 2008. The capital city of Haiti was already dealing with a lot, and then all of a sudden, this huge earthquake comes and just completely, excuse the pun, but just shakes things up even worse. So after this happened, this mass destruction earthquake, on top of all of these other things that had been happening, there were worldwide efforts from a variety of organizations to help provide food, water, medical assistance, and other necessary things to people who survived. Rescue missions were launched to try and get people trapped under the rubble, But a lot of these missions, rescue missions, stopped about two weeks after the earthquake hit due to the fact that anyone who was trapped under there would have likely died from starvation or dehydration. And I did see a couple of accounts where there were people who survived more than two weeks under the rubble, but unfortunately most of the search efforts stopped and it was very unlikely that people were surviving. This incident essentially wrecked a huge chunk of the capital city and surrounding areas in Haiti, and that destruction and my brief description is a huge overgeneralization of what happened, but you can get the picture of how bad this was. With many organizations coming in to help, one of those organizations was of course the United Nations. We talked a little bit about cholera, what it is, but let's look into it more specifically in Haiti. Fortunately, there's not much to say, at least before this whole incident happened, because it hadn't been an issue in Haiti for a long time. There had been no identified cases of cholera in Haiti for more than 100 years. That number is great for reasons of public health, people not being sick, all of those fun things, but it was going to be bad for this outbreak because it had been so long since there had been an, a cholera case in Haiti there was no acquired immunity to it which in turn contributed to how severe this outbreak got. Of course this is no fault of Haitians or people of Haiti at all it's just they didn't have this disease, this bacteria, so of course when it gets reintroduced there's no immunity so it just made it worse. Looking more into the surrounding area of where this started. One major water source for the people of Haiti is the Artabonite River. Tens of thousands of Haitians wash their clothes and dishes in there, they bathe, they get drinking water from this river, so it is an important part of life. When people started getting sick from cholera, it started taking place about nine months after the earthquake hit. Because the earthquake was fresh on everyone's mind, initially many thought that this cholera outbreak was caused by the mass destruction of the earthquake, and perhaps something just got mixed in with something else, so a lot of people were at first like, this earthquake happened, on top of all that, it's just another thing to pile on to all of these things that the Haitians have had to deal with. Though at first many may have thought that this outbreak was caused by the earthquake, Haitians started to focus on another potential cause of the outbreak, a United Nations peacekeeper base. This base, which was home to Nepalese peacekeepers, was set up at the tributary of the Arte River. There were farmers in the area that started reporting that they were seeing waste from the base go into the river and it was after the farmers saw this that people started getting sick. Of course, when the farmers saw this, they started talking, they started reporting it to people, and as soon as these reports from the farmers got out, the gaze quickly shifted to the United Nations, not only to that specific base, but the organization as a whole. Despite the attention of the Haitians, switching, and now the claims being that this base is potentially causing the outbreak, these claims were largely dismissed by UN officials. Looking at other organizations from around the world, the World Health Organization said that the question of where the cholera originated was quote, not a priority. End quote. The CDC refused to investigate the cause of the outbreak. The CDC said that the main job at this point was to contain it and not to investigate the source, and said that, quote, we may never know the actual origin of this cholera strain, end quote. The CDC would later say that maybe it could be investigated later down the road, but the fact that their leading epidemiologist, Jordan Taperow, said that we may never know the cause to me is quite concerning, and the response from the World Health Organization saying it's not a priority and the UN officials just kind of dismissing it is, to me, a garbage response and behavior. Obviously when an outbreak, if anything happens, the goal should ultimately be containment, but if potentially an organization who was there to help is responsible for it, more specifically a worldwide organization that can potentially have the resources, the funds, all this stuff to help solve it and get it under control, it definitely needs to be investigated. After about a week of denial, after anti-UN riots started, and after inquiries from health experts started, the top UN representative in Haiti said, quote, "...it is very important to know if it came from the Nepalese base or not, and someday I hope we will find out." End quote. So pretty quickly, the UN's tone changed, and it's like, yes, let's figure it out, but hopefully someday. Figuring out where this outbreak came from and, more specifically, if it came from the United Nations base was important not only for this outbreak, but it could potentially have implications around the world. If there were peacekeepers in Haiti that misled what was going on, it could potentially affect the jobs of UN humanitarian workers around the world, because if they were responsible for this now growing and deadly outbreak, Why would other countries and other areas want the United Nations to come in, but more importantly, should they be allowed to come in if they cause this? On top of the questions I just asked, there were important scientific questions that also remained, such as, was the source of the outbreak still out there and potentially spreading it more? Does it threaten the region at large? Is it isolated to Haiti? Is it going to spread to other countries, other parts of the world? The United Nations, when all of these rumors and riots started, originally blamed those rumors on politicians trying to disturb the upcoming vote. People outside of the United Nations saw the UN's response not only as wrong, but encouraging people to get more up in arms about this, and in my opinion, rightfully so. Brian concannon from the Institute for Justice and Democracy in Haiti said that, quote, If the UN had said from the beginning, we're gonna look into this, I think that, in fact, would have been the best way in reducing public anger. The way to contribute to public anger is to lie." End quote. Looking more at the United Nations base on the river, it had been home to 454 UN peacekeepers from Nepal. We talked about the farmers' complaints about waste going into the river from the base, but, More than that, people who lived nearby had been for a long time complaining about the smell coming from the base and sewage going into the river. Even before the outbreak, people had stopped drinking from that part of the river and had gone further upstream to avoid potentially toxic water. The most recent deployment of UN people before the cholera outbreak had come in October, and this outbreak started around November. One thing that may have been important to keep in mind for the United Nations was this. The deployment of UN peacekeepers from Nepal, this deployment took place after a cholera outbreak happened in Nepal in the past summer. Even though there was a cholera outbreak in Nepal, the United Nations said that none of their peacekeepers had shown any symptoms of the disease. But, as we remember from our little cholera lesson, a good chunk of people, the majority of people who get cholera don't actually show symptoms, but they still have the bacteria and it's spread through feces. So if feces and human waste is being dumped in the river from this base, you can see where that would go. One important thing to note is that the United Nations said none of the individuals had been showing symptoms. They didn't say that each individual had been screened for cholera, and in fact, none of them had. They were just like, ah, there's no cholera symptoms, even though this disease, the majority of people don't show symptoms, but these people aren't showing symptoms, and though there was a cholera outbreak, it's probably fine. The UN's response to this, like I said, was at first denial and on October 26th, okay, hold on, so the outbreak started in October, not November, my bad. But on October 26th, the United Nations spokesman put out a statement that, in my opinion, was to help direct attention away from the United Nations, but the statement said that the septic septic tanks at the base met US EPA standards and that, quote, the waste is dumped 820 feet or 250 meters from the river and that the United Nations unit for the environmental compliance periodically checks waste management, end quote. The sanitation at this base was handled by a private company, Sanco Enterprises SA, after they had won a contract through bidding, and the United Nations said that the tanks were supposed to be emptied once per week by this company. When the Associated Press visited the next day on October 27th, It was quite a jarring experience and quite different from the statement that had been put out. Quote, The back of the base smelled like a toilet had exploded. Reeking, dark liquid flowed out of a broken pipe toward the river from next to what the soldiers said were latrine. UN military police were taking samples in clear jars with sky-blue UN lids, clearly horrified. At the shovel-dug waste pits across the street sat yellow-brown pool of feces where ducks and pigs swam in the overflow. The path to the river ran straight downhill. End quote. After this report came out, the United Nations said that the black fluid was overflow, but it was overflow with kitchen and shower waste, not human waste, not bodily substances. The United Nations also said that it was the responsibility of the private company to ensure that the dump sites were safe. But shortly after this, the sanitation company's vice president said that it was up to the mayor and a UN official to do so. The vice president of the sanitation company said that he complained several times to the UN about the conditions, but had never heard anything back. The base was finally cleaned up and the soldiers at the base admitted that a broken pipe had been fixed, which helped confirm the report that there was a broken pipe there in the first place. The UN, though they didn't test their soldiers initially, said that they did take samples from the base and had them tested at an independent laboratory and that those samples came out negative for cholera. While that all sounds fine and dandy, here's a little fun fact for you. This independent lab was under contract with the United Nations since 2004. And again, this is in 2010. The doctor who ran the tests specialized in treating obesity. The lab itself is a patient treatment facility, not a strict lab testing facility. The test results were written on forms that were meant for people. And what I mean by that is that the test results had a patient name and age written on them, despite the samples being taken from just like outside. The samples weren't from a patient. So these results were written on human forms. If this is a high quality lab, and not to diminish the lab in terms of what they do, but why would you not send these samples to a more prepared lab specifically to test for cholera? And why I say that is because epidemiologists say that most labs can test for cholera, but testing it from an environmental sample takes an extra step. Quote, a positive test is informative, a negative test really doesn't prove anything. End quote. UN Envoy Edmund Mullet said, quote, One thing I can assure you, there has been no cover-up, there has been no cover-up from our side, and we have done everything we can to investigate. Eventually, we will find out what happened and how it happened," end quote. So this statement came kind of at the end of 2010, 2011, and for months, the cause of the outbreak was debated by health experts and by professors from around the world. Finally, after months of this debate, the UN said that they would appoint a panel to investigate the source. They issued a report in 2011, and that report, quote, confirmed substantial evidence that the Nepalese troops had brought the disease to Haiti, end quote. How they got to this is the samples tested by the CDC shows that the specific strain of cholera found in Haitian patients was a strain that was originally found in South Asia. The strain that was found was an endemic in Nepal. This is essentially hard scientific proof that the United Nations caused this outbreak starting in 2011. So this, this information came out, and there's been a couple other other things that have come out since then, such as in 2013, Rita Caldwell, a former director of the National Science Foundation, said that climate change was an important factor, saying that the outbreak was, quote, triggered by a complicated set of factors, the precipitation and temperatures were above average during 2010 and that, in conjunction with a destroyed water and sanitation infrastructure, can be considered to have contributed to this major disease outbreak." End quote. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm definitely all in favor of considering global warming and climate change contributing to this, outbreak and having it be worse than it could have been, but to me I don't really understand why this claim was made because you already have hard scientific proof as to what caused the outbreak, but that's that was that. The reactions to this outbreak, of course, was anger. I already talked a little bit about the UN or the anti-UN protests, and in November of 2011. So this is after the report had come out proving that the UN brought cholera from the Nepal soldiers. The UN received a petition from 5,000 victims that sought hundreds of millions of dollars in reparations. The UN responded in 2013 by trying to invoke immunity under the Convention on the Privilege and Immunities of the United Nations. There were suits filed in the United States, but in 2016, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals held that the United Nations had immunity from claims. Jonathan Katz, the Associated Press reporter who somewhat exposed the horrible conditions at the base, obtained a leaked copy in the August in August of 2016 of a UN report. After he got this report, the Secretary General of the United Nations, Ban Ki-moon, finally formally accepted responsibility for the United Nations role in the initial outbreak. So the study panel kind of proving it happened in 2011, but it wasn't until 2016 that the United Nations formally and finally accepted their role in the outbreak. In 2017, Jonathan Katz, the reporter again, he revealed the existence of emails that high-level officials in the United States government were pretty well aware and pretty quickly aware after the outbreak that the United Nations forces likely played a role in the outbreak. He reported that, quote, multiple federal agencies, from national security officials to scientists on the front lines, shielded the United Nations from accountability to protect the organization and themselves, end quote. In 2016, after the Secretary admitted to the United Nations' role in the outbreak, he announced that the United Nations promised to spend $400 million to aid the victims and to help improve Haiti's water and sewage infrastructure systems. That's a great promise, but as of 2020, the United Nations has only raised about 20.5 million of the 400 million promised, and only 3.2 million has been spent. The United Nations says that a total of more than 705 million has been spent fighting cholera in Haiti, with 140 million of that being raised by the United Nations. Quote, these investments have gone toward the development and creation of water and sanitation infrastructure, as well as health and epidemiological surveillance systems. It is the result of these investments that Haiti has been able to eliminate the transmission of cholera without a single case in nearly two consecutive years. End quote. And that's true, luckily there hasn't been a cholera case in Haiti for a couple of years now, but despite this, the impact of this outbreak is still being felt. An estimated 10,300 people died from this outbreak, 9,794 in Haiti, 503 in the Dominican Republic, 3 in Cuba, and then 1 in Mexico. In terms of cases, not deaths, there were more than 819,000 cases in Haiti from this outbreak, more than 33,000 in the Dominican Republic, 678 in Cuba, and 190 in Mexico. Two former UN officials said that the UN's response was shameful. Andrew Gilmore, former Assistant Secretary General for Human Rights said, quote, The most shameful aspect of this entire sorry episode was the way the top UN legal people went the extra mile to resist any attempt by those in the organization who wanted the UN in 2016 to accept moral responsibility and issue a sincere apology and instead adopted political expediency and the narrowest legalistic approach at the cost of UN charter values and compassion for the Haitian victims. End quote. I'm gonna end it off on another quote, but this quote comes from the lead counsel from one of the many class action lawsuits. The quote comes from Beatrice Lindstrom. Quote, the UN's denial of justice and violation of victims' rights has really meant that thousands of Haitian families continue to suffer from the particularly devastating impacts of cholera, including serious economic and social harms. For the at least 10,000 people who have lost loved ones, the only thing that has happened is a handful of community projects in a couple of the most affected communities in Haiti. But these projects don't go to actually addressing directly the injuries the people suffered. End quote. And as disappointing and as disheartening of an ending as that is, that concludes the United Nations and Haiti's cholera outbreak. This episode is so upsetting because it's basically a huge governmental body organization not taking the blame or the responsibility that they needed to take because they caused something that killed tens of thousands of people. Thank you Hannah for recommending this topic because even though it's fascinating, it and just it is horrible, but at the same time I'd never heard of it before and I think more people should hear about it because 10,000 plus people died. And with that, that wraps up this episode. Uh, I'm going to post photos on social media related to this episode. Instagram at Scandal 101 Podcast. Twitter at Scandal 101 Pod. On Facebook, search Scandal 101 Podcast. The website is scandal101podcast.podbean.com. You'll find the show notes there. You'll also find the show notes linked in the episode description. And if you have a personal scandal you want read on the podcast, I'm going to read one during the next episode, so two weeks from now or you want to recommend a topic, please send that to scandal101podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, even though it was a pretty depressing one. Um, I will be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, thanks so much for listening. This has been episode 65 of Scandal 101.